The grace and peace of Christ be with you. And also with you. Let's turn and greet one another. We welcome you to Laguna Presbyterian Church, and especially if you're visiting with us today, we're so glad that you're here today. On each pew, there should be a friendship pad near the center aisle, and we'd love to have you take it and fill it out. Let us know that you're here, whether you're regularly here or whether you're a visitor with us, so that we know that who's here with us today. You pass it down the row and then pass it back to the center so everybody can see who's there. There's some announcements in the bulletin, our connections. You'll see that lots of things are starting up afresh this fall. Our third Friday group in uh, September 18th will be an evening of classic jazz, and dinner will be a potluck, so there's no charge. You can sign up for that on the patio today. We have a Mothers of Preschoolers group that is starting up again. And if you know somebody who fits into that age group, it's a great thing to invite them to be part of. Our choir is back, and they've had one rehearsal, and it's not too late to join them, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. So they rehearse, and you, you can join that group or the uh, bell choir group this week at their rehearsals. They'd love to have you join them. Lots of adult education things are starting up in the next few weeks, including a group for women that is reading the book, Enjoying the Presence of God, and that group starts this Wednesday. So if you're interested in that group, today's the day to get the book out on the patio and to come on Wednesday. Also, we have a speaker in Los Ranchos Presbytery, Chip Hardwick, who is the Director of Theology, Formation, and Evangelism for our denomination nationally from our office in Louisville. Chip is a great guy, and he's going to be, a, be speaking a week from tomorrow about our PCUSA 1001 New Worshiping Communities. It's our version of the fresh expressions of church for people who probably would never attend regular church. And he'll be talking about that in Costa Mesa a week from tomorrow. Everyone is invited to be part of that. And we're giving you a whole month's notice about World Communion, which is the first Sunday in October. If you have national dress from your country of origin, it's a great day to wear it. And if you do have that, we'd like some volunteers who'd like to bring forward the bread for the communion service in your national dress. So you can see how you can volunteer to be part of that. And the flowers today are for Storm and Shirley Case, 61st anniversary. So we congratulate them. They were married right here in this sanctuary 61 years ago. Yeah. Let's turn our hearts to the Lord. Dear God, on this uh, Labor Day weekend, we thank you for those who sow the seeds of life, who build life, who glorify you. We are here this morning as those who sow in your name. We come to your table. We worship you. We glorify you. May you be honored and glorified in everything that we say and do and sing this morning. We pray in your name. Amen.
who thirsts, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Incline your ear and come to me. Listen so that you may live. I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there until they have watered the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, God's word shall never return empty. It shall accomplish what God has purposed and succeed in all that God has planned. For you shall go out in joy and be led back in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall burst into song. The trees, trees of the, of the field, field will shall clap, clap their hands, hands with, with joy. joy. So let us stand and praise God together. Church, let's sing. Mighty is our God. Mighty is our King. Hallelujah. Mighty Lord, ruler of everything, let's give him glory. Glory to our God, glory to our King, glory to our Lord, ruler of everything, his name is higher, higher than any 
to the Lord and confess to him our great need for his mercy. Let's pray. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their way and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them return to the Lord that he may have mercy on them and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. Awesome and compassionate God, you have loved us with unfailing, self-giving mercy, but we have not loved you. You constantly call us, but we do not listen. You ask us to love, but we walk away from neighbors in need, wrapped in our own concerns. We condone evil, prejudice, warfare, and greed. God of grace, as you come to us in mercy, we repent in spirit and in truth, admit our sin, and gratefully receive your forgiveness through Jesus Christ, our Redeemer. So we bring to you the silent confessions of our hearts. For we pray through Christ, our Savior. Amen. Friends, this is the message we have received from God and proclaimed to you, that God is light, 
and in God there is no darkness at all. If, if we, we walk, walk in the light, light as God, God is, is in the light, light we, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his Son, cleanses us from all sin. This is the good news. In the name of Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Thanks, Thanks be to God. Amen. This morning we enter into a form of singing that has been a part of the church for 2,000 years. It was the way that the Reformers and the Presbyterian Church worshipped in the 1500s. It's called plain song. It's not chant. It's plain song. It has one note, one melody line, and so this morning we will sing it together, and typically when plain song was sung, it was done standing. So I will ask you to stand, so let us stand together. The way plain song was used was to memorize the entire Psalter, all 150 psalms. So we're going to begin with Psalm 1, <laughs> which is the background text for Matthew 13. It's found on your insert this morning. Uh, verse 1, I will lead out, and then I will invite you to join in on singing verse 2. I think you will pick it up fairly quickly. Happy are they who have not walked in the counsel of the wicked, nor lingered in the way of sinners, nor sat in the seats of the scornful. Together. Their delight is in the law of the Lord, and they meditate on his law day and night. They are like trees planted by streams of water, bearing fruit in due season, with leaves that do not Thank you to the psalmist who opens the Psalter with this affirmation of the importance of the Word of God and our lives being planted deeply in the revelation of God's Word, like a life planted or a tree planted by streams of, of living water that bears fruit. Matthew chapter 13, the parable of Jesus that we are going to look at for this September, told uh, by Jesus, the story in both uh, Mark 4 and in uh, 
uh, Luke chapter 8. Matthew 13, on your page 13. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. Such great crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat there while the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables or stories, saying, Listen, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell on the path, and the birds came and ate them up. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil, and they sprang up quickly, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seed fell on good soil and brought forth grain, some a hundred, hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Let anyone with ears listen. Then the disciples came and asked Jesus, Why do you speak to them in parables? And they answered, He answered, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to those it's not been given. For to those who have, more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken away. The reason I speak to them in parables is that seeing they do not perceive, and hearing they do not listen, nor do they understand. With them indeed is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah that says, you will indeed listen, but never understand. You will indeed look, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and their ears are hard of hearing, and they have shut their eyes so that they might not look with their eyes and listen with their ears and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. Truly I tell you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. We ask, Lord, that you might open our eyes and our ears, and our minds that we might understand and believe. Plant a word of life in the soil of our souls, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen. Wendy Russell is a young mother. She's written a book about how to teach your children about religion when you're not religious, which is a monumental task. Jeff Brown on the PBS NewsHour interviewed her one evening this last summer. And it was a very interesting interview. 
because uh, she represents a growing number of a generation that were raised in the church, in her case, having ancestors who were Presbyterians, from whom she has removed herself. Maybe she's a part of that group we call nuns. N-O-N-E-S, nuns. They're all over the place spiritually. Some believe in some form of God, others do not. And she was going along just fine. She and her atheistic husband, and she herself has become an atheist. She does not believe in God. She was going along just fine until she became a mother. And she had her daughter, her five-year-old daughter, Maxine, enrolled in a preschool. And you need to be very careful where you enroll your children in preschool. For they may hear things that will disturb the whole family. And one day she said, driving back from preschool, she announced from the back seat of the car, she says, guess what, mommy? What, honey? God made us. (laughs) Suddenly she said, I felt like a cartoon character who had been hit in the back of the head with a frying pan. And I thought of that old man in the sky in the long white robes. And I thought of that Darwinian ape man and the developmental processes and my determination to not wound my daughter with religion. And suddenly I realized that her five-year-old boyfriend at preschool had gotten to her before I could really convince her there's no God. (laughs) And she said to her husband, what if Maxine believes in God? She was panicked. And he, being a healthy, mature atheist, made the point, it really doesn't matter what Maxine believes. What matters is what she does with her life. It doesn't matter what our children believe or what we teach them and how we teach them, perhaps without even being aware of what we have taught our little ones and what we teach one another all the time by our words and by our behaviors it doesn't matter this young mother took it to say that her husband was saying to her really relax it's just God relax just God the book that she wrote for non-religious parents she said When my daughter was two years old and we were involved in potty training her, one morning we were at the breakfast table. Things were going fine until little Maxine jumped out of her seat and ran to the bathroom. With Wendy, the mother, right behind her, arriving two seconds later, only to find little Maxine standing in front of her potty looking down at the puddle of water on the floor. 
she hadn't made it. And little Maxine looked up at her mother and cried in frustration, Jesus Christ! <laughs> she had learned well how the word God and the word Jesus was used in the family. The parents not really being aware of it at all. We live in a time in which church attendance or church membership is diminishing. And there are many in our culture who've decided that they can live their lives just fine without any reference to God. And yet we live in this world where religions and religious conflict and issues related to religion and how to talk about God and faith and the church as an institution, these things are front burner issues for us. And so our text this morning, the parable that Jesus told, begins to tell us what Jesus really wants to tell us about himself. He says, there's a sower that goes forth into the world. And this sower, this farmer, sows seeds. In a very real sense, the church has been sowing the seeds of the Bible, the gospel of good news, around the world for 2,000 years. trip we took this summer went through several museums and many, many wonderful churches in a world that has tried to jettison God, the presence of God in the art and the literature and the statues is omnipresent. And all of it together teaches us even as Jesus came teaching, preaching, and healing, and proclaiming the good news of the gospel of the kingdom of heaven, that it was at hand, it's omnipresent in God. We live and move and have our very being. And there's no escape from the reality or the issue of God. What are we teaching? We need to be very clear. There's all kinds of philosophical tidbits and words of wisdom that are floating around in this culture. You know, relax, it's just God. Doesn't matter what your child believes or what anyone believes because there's no ultimate truth anyway. What matters is what our children do with their lives. The Bible reminds us that we dare not disconnect what we believe about reality from our behavior or our lives become corrupted. And we do not know the way, the truth, and the life.
was at a conference this last month in San Diego called the Fellowship of Presbyterians. Some 500 of us gathered at the First Presbyterian Church in San Diego. We were amongst those who have made commitments to remain in the PCUSA. And we heard wonderful Bible teaching and great singing and music and wonderful preaching and words of wisdom about how to build the church. And as John Huffman and I drove away from that conference, we laughed amongst ourselves that, you know, there's nothing new under the sun. What this conference is saying is what we've been trying to say and to believe and to live for the last 50 years. And the message that came through loud and clear was what I want to proclaim this morning. Preach the word. Teach the word, the gospel of the kingdom. Gather in worship. Do not neglect the assembling of yourselves together. In God we live and move and have our very being. And God is at work in the world, breaking into human history, as he did 2,000 years ago, and as he continues to do. Work for the peace and the unity and the purity of the church. Do not lose the fire of the Spirit. And you preachers, Del Bruner, who was professor of Bible at Whitworth College, said, quoting from the Gospel of John, Lift up Jesus Christ so the world can see. For Jesus said, If I be lifted up, I will draw all people to myself. This is a message that you have heard over and over but I want to repeat it. I do not want you to miss it. It seems simple, but this is the mission of the church. Lift high the cross of Jesus Christ. Proclaim that it was in his person, in his presence, in his words, in his works, that the kingdom of heaven was breaking into human history. And wherever he is lifted up, and wherever he is proclaimed, the church is alive and disciples are being made and they're growing and our children are being nurtured and we are learning that he is the light of the world, that he is the way, the truth, and the life, that he is the resurrection and the life, that he is the bread of life and that it is this that we celebrate this morning as we come to his table. here in the bread and the cup, the broken body and the shed blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. The great religious work throughout history has focused on the mystery of the passion of God. It is the mystery of the kingdom of heaven revealed in Jesus that we need to hear and to be shaped and formed by. And this is my determination as a pastor to continue to do that and to recommend 
that the church is called to this ministry of living in that mystery and secret of the kingdom which is Christ himself. And that he wants to come and live within every one of us so that we might know him and love him and serve him. Thanks be to God that he sent his only begotten son into the world as the word of his truth, as the word of his grace, as the word of his love, with the assurance that nothing can separate us from the love of God revealed in Jesus Christ. This is the gospel, the secret of the kingdom. In these coming weeks, I want to talk about the various elements, details of this parable, about the soils. We learned the story of someone like Wendy Russell. We ask ourselves, what kind of a church did she grow up in anyway? We learned fairly quickly that it was in southern Missouri that it was a fundamentalist church that refused to deal with the great issues of life, that buried its head, and tended to be highly judgmental and moralistic rather than a community of grace and truth. May God liberate us from that. But may God liberate us also from the postmodernism of our culture in which we live that proclaims that it doesn't matter what you believe, there's no objective truth, simply subjective opinions that we may share together. God save us from that kind of emptiness. Let's pray. Sow the seed of the word of the kingdom in our hearts this morning. As parents, as brothers and sisters, as children, we have need to see Jesus and to trust the promise that if he's lifted up, that he will draw people of all ages and nations to himself. Lord, we love you. Come to us in the mystery of your presence and claim our lives, our minds, our hearts. That the message this morning might not just go in one ear and out the other, but it might work for the transformation of our very beings. Sow the seed so that we can become sowers ourselves. We pray in your name. Amen. Please stand and let's affirm our faith together. This is a word from the book of Hebrews in the New Testament, the beginning words that affirm the great mystery of the gospel of the kingdom.
and our understanding and knowledge of God in Christ. We read it responsively. Long ago, God spoke to our ancestors in many and various ways by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by a son whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom he also created the worlds. He is the reflection of God's glory and the exact imprint of God's very being, and he sustains all things by his powerful word. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. You may be seated as we receive our morning offering.
Gracious God, we pray for the faithful all over the world, that all who love you may be united in your service. We pray for the peoples and leaders of the nations, that they may be reconciled one to another in pursuit of your justice and peace. We pray for all who suffer from prejudice, from greed, from violence, that the heart of humanity may warm with your tenderness. For all in need because of famine, flood, and earthquake, that they may know the hope of your faithfulness through the help of others. We pray for your whole creation, which longs for its redemption. We pray for all who suffer the pain of sickness, of loneliness, of fear, and of loss. That those whose names are in our hearts, in the hearts of others, or known to you alone, may receive strength and courage. We pray too, Lord, for the refugees of this world, for those cast out of their countries, whose plight was so encapsulated this week in the picture of one little boy. May they find their homes again. May the nation show them the love and the compassion of Christ. Look also upon the ministry of this church and we who are your servants. Increase our courage, strengthen our faith, and inspire our witness to all people, even to the ends of the earth. Open our eyes to each other and to all our brothers and sisters, especially the poor, the oppressed, and the alienated. Make us humble enough to help and comfort them, so that your love and justice and peace may come to them. We make bold to consecrate ourselves, and we dedicate this offering to you and to the service of others. As we contribute to the needs of your people, we present ourselves as living sacrifices for the, kingdom, for the service of your kingdom, serving Jesus Christ, your Son, and our only Savior. Amen. The message of the gospel of the kingdom of God is that God is love. And that God has proven his love for us in sending his son who died to reconcile us to the Father and us to one another, to call us to the way of life. He proclaims to us, Beloved, you are the children of God. We do not know what we shall be, but we know that when he appears, we will be like him, for we will see him as he is. Christ in you the hope of glory. He is the bread of life, the drink that satisfies our very being, and he is spiritually present with us this morning. We come to him with thanksgiving. Let us pray. O Lord, our God, sustainer of the universe, at the sound of your voice, all things came into being. The vast expanse of space galaxies, suns, the planets in their courses, and this fragile earth, our home. By your will, they were created and have their being. Therefore, with angels and animals and microbes and mountains and all that lives for you, we proclaim how wonderful you are. We pour out our thanks to you. You did make us in your image and set us in this world to love and to serve you. When we rejected you, 
you did not reject us, but sent prophets to call us back to your ways. Redeemer God, word become flesh in Jesus Christ. We remember you at this table, your body, your blood, broken, so we with all creation may be healed and restored. Through your sacrifice, death is annulled. Through your resurrection, we have life, and we thank you. Merciful God, send now in kindness your Holy Spirit to settle on this bread and cup and fill them with the fullness of Jesus. And let that same Spirit rest on us, converting us from the patterns of this passing world until we conform to the shape of him whose food we now share. And so we pray together for the day when your will is done on earth as in heaven, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus, after giving thanks, took bread and broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, This is my body, broken for you. Do this, remembering me. In like manner, Jesus took the cup and said, this, this cup is the new covenant, sealed in my blood. As often as you eat this bread and drink from this cup, you proclaim the death of the Lord until he comes. Here we welcome the spiritual presence of Jesus Christ into our lives and we abide in his kingdom of love for the glory of God. Our elders will come uh, and serve you as you come forward. Our, uh, our ushers will bring you, and uh, we invite you to take a piece of bread, dip it in the cup, and commune, and prayerfully return back to your seats. Let us worship the Lord.
The Gospel of John says that Jesus came into this world to his own family, and his own family did not receive him or believe in his name. But who all who welcomed him, who believed in his name, he gave power or authority to become children of God, who were born not of the flesh or of human blood or will, but are born of God, beloved 
We are the children of God. It does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he appears, we will be like him, for we will see him as he is. Go forth in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit to walk in the light, to not only believe the gospel, but to live it. Amen. Thank you.